As one becomes interested in knowing self, in being aware of the self, realizing that there is a great amount of material available, many people begin to look for outside sources other than the material that is at hand to be studied. Uh, this is quite natural, and some such material is available. Up until two or three years ago, very little of it was available in written form, and that was mostly so enciphered under various and sundry mythical figures that it was very difficult to understand. Now, many of these books are around in these many symbols of various orders. The symbols were used long ago when it was impossible to speak openly. Some years ago, if someone had talked as openly as we have been discussing the subject, one would have been hanged or beheaded or uh, quartered and drawn for hearsay. Today, the usual greatest effort is ostracism from a group because one does not agree further. Now, there was four branches of the teaching over many, many years. And these four branches were known under unusual names, which seemingly had no connection with the study of the human psyche or the human soul. The first of these was known as alchemy, which seemed to have been a study in chemistry. The next was a study of astrology, not astronomy, but of astrology which seemed to be on the outward sign trying to discern the course of human events by studying the stars and various and sundry attributes attributed to each one of the symbols of the stars, the signs of the zodiac and of the planets, and magic, which was considered on the outside being able to control things that one could handle by various means known only to the initiate, the magician. And it was on the outward form, the ability to control things. And the fourth one was called the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah was the more or less Hebrew study as re used by the Hebrews in various and sundry areas. And it was the mystical study and its outward form was to discover the name of God in everything. Now, the name of God in Hebrew is unpronounceable. It's yad Hivahi, four constants. And these four letters in the Hebrew language had very specific meaning. And so they look for the four. They're basically initiative, passive form, and result. Now, alchemy had an inner and outer school, as did the others, because due to the great possibility of being annihilated by the powers that be for hearsay or studying things that was considered dangerous by the state and so forth, these people had a school, but the school was divided into two aspects, the outer school, which almost anybody could come to and study, and from it they accepted certain students to take to the inner school. And this is where the idea of exoteric and esoteric 
exoteric means the outer and esoteric means the inner. So having two schools, the outer school which was engaged in the study of attempt to make base metal out of gold, uh, excuse me, the other way around, to make gold out of base metal. Now this was quite an acceptable pursuit. The uh, various great professions all felt this would be a wonderful thing if it could be accomplished, and so they could work rather openly in their schools, where if they had only had the inner school, they would have been destroyed. But as it were, they were patronized by kings and popes and by the healing art and etc. So they gradually, in order to please all the great professions, said they were not only attempting to make gold out of base metal, but that they were attempting to find the elixir of life, the panacea for all illness, and that they also said they were looking for the philosopher's stone. So in this way they were none molested, and the curious and their genuine students all studied together on the long, complicated process of attempting to make base metal out of gold or to find the elixir of life or to make the philosopher's stone. Each was supposed to give the man great powers. Now, some of the students recognized that this outer idea of making gold out of base metal was for some other purpose. So they, by their behavior and by their attitudes and by what questions they asked, could demonstrate to the head of the school that this person was worthy of being taken to the inner school. Now the inner school was to make a completed man out of an incompleted man, a golden man out of a base man. Now they considered the person conditioned and totally under the control of suggestion and an almost an automat, and that by observing self over a period of time and with the very symbols that they used, which the person understood the symbols of, and they would be the same as we would recognize as recognizing unpleasant emotions, as of uh, seeing the accounts receivable, of disidentifying from the self, and etc. As they recognized these, they, of course, evolved into a completed man. So the whole idea of alchemy was not to make literal gold out of base metal, but to make a completed man out of an incompleted conditioned man where I, or the awareness, was conditioned and incomplete and was base. And, of course, the very base thing they started with was the four dual basic urges, and under the many, many symbols of alchemy, one may find all these things there. However, it takes forever in a day to tediously separate out to discern what meaning was used for each symbol, and one writer may have used one set of symbols in his school, and another one may have used another set. When they were looking for the elixir of life, of course, they were looking for life everlasting, to have a spiritual body, to be a completed man. And the same was true for astrology. Astrology on the outer school seemed to be trying to foretell the future, to course the chart of future events. 
but the inner school was to understand the seven planets. Now, in the olden days, they only knew seven planets. Now, I believe there are no nine. However, I don't keep up with that one. At that time, there was known seven planets. So, each of the planets was assigned a meaning in the inner man, one for each of the basic decisions. The four little basic urges, which was the moon, which was considered the lowest possible state of man, even lower than that of the animals. And then the other six were on up unto the sun. And I was to be the sun when it was completed. It was to go to the sun and to be a Leo. Now, as these things were studied, of course, on the outer aspect, they cast horrible horoscope charts innumerable attempted to trace the course of future events and etc. Again, some of the students recognized there must be some inner meaning. These were accepted into the inner school and are taught the same ideas that we know today. But before they can, only under symbols, of course, so that they would not be divulged to the outer world. And then, of course, there was the magician or the school of magic. And the outer school was said to be able to control spirits. And they sometimes were called elementals. And they had four different classes of them. But what it really meant on the inner meaning was to be able to put under observation the self, which was considered by the magicians to be demons. In fact, you find most reference to demonology or the study of demons in the New Testament, that uh, a man was possessed by a demon or that a demon was a tormenting demon or what have you, a person. And of course, we know that was the stress producer. And as this was cast out of a person, they were, uh, had been exorcised of that particular demon. Now, most of all of us have experienced having a demon cast out of us, the demon of jealousy or the demon of anger or the demon of fear, the demon of resentment, the demon of envy. All of these are cast out as one casts the light of self-observation on it. So, <clears throat> according to the people of that day, we are practicing magic. However, we would not consider it magic. It is the science of man. But the science of man has had a long and rocky road for many, many centuries to study man other than the accepted literal outward surface would have meant uh, being in a position to be executed almost without question. So they used all these things which, of course, appealed to the outer ideas of the idea of alchemy and of magic and uh, astrology all appealed to the greed of people, so they were allowed to operate quite openly as far as the outer school was concerned, and that they got along without being hindered in their work on the inner school. Many, many, many people went to these schools and were never got beyond the outer school, so they maybe contributed a few things worthwhile here and there, and maybe they contributed much to superstition. However, it was the only means that the school could operate under those situations. And then, of course, the other school was the Kabbalah. 
which was to attempt to find the four aspects or the four the name of God in everything. Yad Hivahi, the initiative, the resistance, the form, the result. To see the four forces at work. And of course, as these forces were understood, <coughs> the person would have a state of inner understanding or inner comprehension because they would see what they're related to. Now, the outer idea of the Kabbalah was very much in the form of magic. It was supposed to give great powers to whoever possessed it. Powers like the powers of healing, the powers of divination, of being able to foretell the future, the power of producing visions, and etc. So, of course, they had many, many people. However, the Kabbalah was never widely spread except in the Jewish community. And as it uh, went through many vicissitudes of up and downs, it finally began to be known as the Hadithic, which was the last stage of the Kabbalah as having any actual practice or schools. These were mostly in Eastern Europe. <coughs> now, the purpose of the inner school was to always to understand man, the four aspects of man. Now, these schools where they had an outer and an inner aspect had studied students in the outer school for 12 to 15 years before they were allowed to enter into the inner school. And obviously, many, many people had very little opportunity, but they didn't have the necessity of having ever questioned the purpose of living. You see, if you boil many things worked in metals being uh, melted down and mixing and mixing, all of which was very hot, hard work. Sooner or later, the person had to begin to question the meaning of the search for gold, and still there were very dedicated people working on it, so it seemingly had some other meaning. <clears throat> now, also, these people hoped to have a superman, as their goal, or their aim, we should say. Their aim was to produce a completed or a superman. Now, these teachings go back for thousands of years, more than 2,000 years. Most of them are somewhat as old as Christianity. Some are a little younger in the various aspects. The school of astrology was much older than Christianity. The Kabbalah was much younger. Alchemy came along uh, a few years later, somewhere maybe four or five, six hundred years later. And magic had been around long before. Men had worked in many ways to have what on the outer surface was magic or sorcery or witchcraft, but the inner meaning of which was to have the completed man a man who had powers, and obviously a man who had faith and experienced the spiritual experiencing of faith and was experiencing faith to all others was a wonder worker because they did notice that many things took place, and of course they all was very interested in having it. Something like 2,000 years ago, a school was started in the Near East that has since been known as Christianity on the outer school. The inner part was always known as the way. And you will find that the great teacher was so completely identified with the teaching that he said, I am the way, I am the light, and I am the truth. <clears throat> 
And this was called the way for a long time. It was not called Christianity for many, many years, but it was called the way. And it was a very specific study that they had an assembly meeting for group discussions on Monday, Sunday, that day after the Sabbath. The Sabbath was Saturday. They, most of them probably attended some Sabbath service starting Friday evening at sundown, ending Saturday at sundown. But the school was held on Sunday, the first day of the week. The symbol of it was a fish. And the idea of the fish was, was the sign of Noah, excuse me, the sign of Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by a whale and later cast out. So the idea of the fish, that the teaching was the fish and that it could swallow a man, a man who studied it, valued it, applied it, was supposed to be swallowed by the teaching. And then he was cast forth from the teaching as a new man. Now, in every case, the teaching was to consume as short a length of time as possible, that it wasn't something one spent years and years and years and years at. If one was an adequate student, one was through it in some reasonable length of time, say two years, three years, or some such matter, usually approximately three years. And then he was to be a worker in the school. And if he didn't make it that way, he was just kept around to do whatever he wanted. Now, the outward form of this school was, again, concerned with behavior, and it had an outward form. The same as the school that it succeeded, the House of Israel, had as its outer school certain disciplines of behavior, sometimes referred to as the commandments, and then many, many more commentaries on the commandments, which in all together was called the law. Now, the law was the testing ground for a person to see if they were adequate to take in the inner school. Uh, if they could not be faithful over little things, which was simply behavior in a certain form of being, shall we say today, possibly simple good manners plus a few other things, they washed hands to remind them that they were to cleanse their mind, and they did certain other uh, rituals that were all to have a symbolic meaning. Gradually those had been lost. And so the Christ set up the great Messiah, the teacher who came, taught the people love. In other words, that they had to get to a point where they experienced agape. Without this experiencing of agape, they were considered to be nothing. Uh, they were servants, and uh, the Christ repeatedly taught that a servant, and when he had done all he was supposed to do, was still to consider himself an unprofitable servant, and was also considered that love would serve. So in this great school, which we still have some signs of very definitely around us, which of course, as most schools have done, uh, turned into an outward ritualistic form. However, the way went underground when Constantine the Great took over and organized it as a church state or a state church, a religion. A school began to be called a church. It was originally from the word meaning assemble. 
and it was formed into a very definite thing using many of the symbols, but only the outward form. So the real teachers and the real students went underground. They worked in various and sundry places. They had many, many different forms under which they worked. Some attribute of it may be referred to as masonry, where they built great buildings and put all the symbols of the study in the stone. And other means of working underground where they would not be molested by the authorities who were very jealous of their newfound power and which they did not want somebody coming along and pointing out that it wasn't just a ritualistic procedure, but that it was the study of the inner man. These schools stayed in very small groups and traveled over most of the world. They are known in the Near East, some in the Far East, many, many in Europe, a few in the North American continent, some in the South American continent, some in Africa, in other words, all over the whole world. It has been carried to the ends of the earth, but relatively few people have ever been involved because of a requirement that the person be at least questioned the mammon purpose of living, that the whole purpose of living is not just to gain pleasure and escape pain. And of course, all the organized setup began to be purely organized to promise great rewards in the future of the ideal and to threaten with the total loss of the ideal if one did not agree. Severe penalties were inflicted if any were found to be involved in any sort of study. In the, the Mohammedan world, it is known by other names. In the recent years, there has been many books published that has reference to Sufi, which is the same teaching with a different ethnic groups and backgrounds and are adapted to the particular needs of the people of the day in which it's teaching. Now, always the teaching has to be adapted to the present-day meaning of existence. We have shown much that's in the New Testament parables and so forth so that one could see that there is a direct line of endless succession of the teaching from ages long bygone until today. The only difference is in the similes and the words and how it is presented. And always it has had to be a very few people because the great numbers of people have never questioned the purpose of living. They're totally intent upon serving mammon. So at the present time there is seemingly a decided upsurge. This is usually explained by the fact that when one's necessity is increased, one does something. You know, we may think about going to do something for a long time, and one day the necessities increase, and we get up and do it. So man has had an opportunity in much of the world to have himself gratified his senses until the point of cetacean, until where he can't stand anymore, and it hasn't given him happiness, it hasn't given him peace, it hasn't given him ending of conflict or anything, so he's had to question. The same simile is used 
during the exodus from Egypt that the people complained and wanted meat. They were crying for comforts. They wanted leeks and garlics, and then they wanted meat. And so flocks of quail came up to the camps of the wanderers from Egypt to the Promised Land, which was the idea of a school, and they got the meat all they could stand until they couldn't even stand the sight of a quail. So obviously there's the simile is that they had the pleasure they wanted, and possibly this is one thing that can help a people to begin to question the purpose of living, is to have so much of what they think is so valuable that it becomes unbearable. And most of us have lived in an area and a time when we have had every conceivable amount of stimulation of the senses to produce pleasure and comfort that we could possibly want, and we still see that most people are quite miserable, that they're still involved in wars, in conflicts, in fights. Family divorce rates are extremely high because they can't stand each other. Now, it's not because they can't afford all the so-called good things of life, because they can buy all the wonderful expensive food and have nice clothes and have nice houses that would have central heating, central air conditioning. One of the ancient kings would have thought he had really made it out if he could have a house like the ordinary city apartment even with the comforts that's in it. But those comforts and those pleasures have not brought what man was looking for. You see there is a hunger within man that keeps him looking. And even though he can sometimes blot it out by pleasures and comforts and sensations and violence, sooner or later he comes up against it, that he is very incomplete, that something is lacking within, that he has no spiritual body, that he is in a state of conflict, regardless of how wonderful the affairs are, no matter how much he blames. You see, mammon always fails, no matter how many of the ideals could be realized how much one felt one was self-improving, no matter how many signs and wonders, there will always be mammon's call for more, better, and different, and the person would be just as miserable as before. So we only throw this in so that you may be acquainted with these various ideas that they have been around and that if you take all the time away from the work to try to screen out and discover what these peculiar strange books that has the strange symbols and the strange words and the seemingly strange ideas, and that they refer to magic and to witchcraft and to astrology and etc., that the real meaning of them, of course, in most cases has been utterly lost. And the outer meaning, of course, never did work in the first place. It was only something to keep themselves reasonably safe. It was a veil over the actual work. So if you see this, you will not need to waste so many hours looking through them. They are possibly interesting as how people had to study what we study today openly, what precautions and what veils and what subterfuge that was necessary a few centuries ago in order for a man to be acquainted 
with the ideas that would liberate him, liberate him from the bondage of conditioning.